My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He is the strong style psycho. It is the legend known as Tank. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I am doing quite well. Uh, we briefly mentioned that it's bright and early here and not so much for you over there. So I want to thank you for your time and your evening uh, spending it with me. No, no problem. Awesome. So I, I've got said quite, quite freely on my podcast and stuff that it's only in the last few years that I've been exposed to deathmatch wrestling and a lot of the stuff that you guys do. And so my first exposure <coughs> to you was when you popped up on ICW No Holds Barred. Um, but I want to, before we get all the way to the end of that journey and with the stuff that you've been doing now with those guys, I thought it'd be fun to rewind because I've done some research on you and you've been quite busy over the space of your career. So... So take me back to when you first remember wrestling jumping out at you. Was there a particular face that popped out on the TV screen when you were a kid, or was it not till you were older? How did it all come about? I was actually nine years old, and mm-hmm. my dad, he watched wrestling every weekend, and I didn't really care for it. I thought it was kind of kind of stupid, just watching guys in their underwear fighting. Yeah. And uh, it was Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mr. Wrestling 2 and the Mass Superstar, they were doing something. And the Mass Superstar just beat the piss out of Mr. Wrestling 2 and took his mask off. Oh. And it was and it was the end of the show. So I was like, oh, I got to watch this next week. Got so I watched it the next week yeah. and the next week. And I was hooked. Yeah. And I was a fan since I was nine years old. And being from Chattanooga, in Tennessee, we're down in the southern part of the country. Yeah, there was all kinds of territories and promotions. So they would come through Chattanooga. My dad would take me, and I got to see so many cool wrestlers: Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, Dusty Rhodes. Wow! Being a a youngster, yeah. And then I was like, "Yeah, I want to be a wrestler." You know, I was like, "I'm going to be a pro wrestler." And fast forward. <laughs> uh, 17 years later and had my first match when I was 26 years old. So wow. I kind of started late. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's so interesting to me. So um, I'm from Perth, Western Australia. I grew up in a very small town to start with called Dongra, uh, which is just outside of Geraldton, which is like a smaller city in WA. So wrestling was always like so far away from me. Um like the idea of being a wrestler, it's just impossible Like to cross the world and like come to America and stuff. For you, going to those shows and seeing these larger-than-life guys and stuff like that, did it feel like more obtainable, like a realistic goal? Because you're seeing this stuff all the time, right? And it's around all the time. You must be like, hey, if I just put in this work, I could be where they're standing. Yeah, back when I started, there were not really a whole lot of wrestling schools. There was a couple mm. of shows around here that I would attend, and uh, actually the way I got started, me and some buddies of mine, we would do backyard wrestling. Yeah. But we weren't but we weren't doing like the deathmatch backyard wrestling. We actually watched WCW, WWF, and we'd go in the backyard and reenact what we just watched. You yeah. Know, we kind of taught ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy in uh, Chattanooga who had a 
boxing ring in his parking lot. He was a kickboxer mm-hmm. instructor. So we asked him, you know, like, you know, if we fix your ring up, can we play in it? And he goes, yeah, sure. So we would run little shows for our friends. We, I, mean, I had like three different characters. Yeah. My buddy had two or three. And these local guys drove by, and Richie Dye and Rawhead Rex, who ended up being my trainers. Yeah. They were like, you know, you guys aren't half bad. And come down to TWA. It was in Rossville, Georgia. It was about 10 miles down the road. They were like, just show up, and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. And like eight of us showed up. They beat the dog shit out of us. <laughs> and, I, and I was the only one to go back. Yeah, wow. I mean, they they beat us up pretty good, and uh, and I was the only one to show back up, and they were like, "Well, we'll train you," and had my first real match six weeks later. Yeah, so that's that's that real old school, like protecting the business, making sure people really want to do this right. Like you, you hear those stories in the past, like even Hulk Hogan says he got his leg broken and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so they, they laid that in pretty hard. Like if you're going to be a wrestler, this is what it feels like all the time, that sort of thing. And you were so into it. You're like, Hey, I, I can take that. Oh, hell, they didn't smarten me up for like another six months. I mean, oh, wow. They taught me, they taught me moves and stuff and how to work, but I was stiff. I mean, I'd wrestle some of these older guys, and they were like, man, you need to lighten up. You're beating the piss out of us. And I'm like, well, I thought this was real, you know? I mean, I knew it was a work, but they, the, the etiquette of it, yeah. I didn't really learn until later on. Yeah. And uh, that's when this one guy, Bobby Hayes, came into my life, and he taught me how to work. These guys taught me how to fight and defend myself. Yeah. You know, they were like, you know, you're going to run into some older guys who are going to, test you and I had some amateur wrestling background so uh, they taught me more or less how to, how to defend myself Yeah. and Bobby Hayes taught me how to actually work and not beat the crap out of people. Yeah right so <laughs> so basically preparing you for a life on the road it's like a, yes. know, a journeyman wrestler you're going into different territories you don't know who's going to be standing across the ring from you so like basically to be ready under any circumstance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Um, You say amateur wrestling background. Was that something that you did in high school? Yeah, high school and a little bit of college. Yeah, right. So um, you said that you had your first match at 26. What age was this when you started doing the training? Uh, 26. Oh, no, okay. I was 25. I had just turned 26. Yeah. Uh, I had my first match in November of 96, and I turned... 26 in October, so I started training when I was 25. You see, like now, man, these kids now start training at 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. So they got, you know, when they when they're 26, they've already got 10 years in. <laughs> so I was I was a late bloomer. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's why you know now at 50 years old I'm still going, and people are like, "Damn, I mean, I've been in 25 years." So. Yeah, that, it's quite yeah. quite a, like some of the people you're versing weren't even alive when you started. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I get that all the time. I mean, I was at a show a couple of weeks ago, and this kid came up to me and goes, you know, my dad used to take me down to Canton, Georgia, and I saw you wrestle when I was five. I was like, oh, thanks. You know, this <laughs> makes me feel like an old fart. You're like, I could have not <laughs> known that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, Cool. That's cool though, man, because that, that's almost uh, full circle a little bit because you talk about, you know, your dad taking you to your like your first shows and stuff and having those moments and kind of bonding experiences with him. It's really cool that like those guys had that watching you. Oh, yeah. So obviously your dad was a fan. Was he into the idea of you being a wrestler? Like when you started to do uh, shows and stuff, would they come down and watch you and stuff like that? Yeah, they... Uh uh, my mom and dad, my dad came to like pretty much every show I did for like the first couple of years. Yeah. They were all pretty local, you know, 40, 40, 50 mile drive. It wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. My mom came to my first like five shows. And then the first time I ever bled, she never came back. <laughs> she was like, nope, this is enough for me. Yeah. Cause I always, I always told her, I was like, I'm not going to be one of the guys that bleeds and blah, blah, blah. And, Bled like my fifth or sixth match, and she was like, "Yeah, no, this ain't for me." 
That escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, my dad, my dad loved the blood. My dad loved tag team wrestling, so I did a lot of tag teams. So he was always really into that. Well, I, I saw when I was looking back through your stuff, I was trying to like uh, find NWA Wildside uh, stuff, uh-huh. and, and I saw that you did like a lot of tag stuff in there. And I, I actually really liked some of the the moveset and stuff that you were pulling, like like you and um, oh, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, not Iceberg, it was the other guy. Um, like dual submissions on guys and stuff like that. It was like some really, um, really sort of brutal looking stuff. How did how did like NWA come about? Okay, I had uh, been wrestling in TWA in Rossville. They moved to Dalton. I took a little time off. I've got a a real job, and it kind of cut into my wrestling time. And so once I could figure out a different, we got on a different schedule, I started going back down to TWA and moved to Dalton, Georgia. I met Dan the Dragon Wilson, who is my manager now, the yeah, Reverend. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, ring announcing. Well, he'd got a spot at NWA Wildside being a ring announcer. So that was the spot to go. I'd never really heard of it, and he just taught, telling me about it. And I was like, I'd like to go down. So I rode down with him. It was uh, their Halloween show, Fright Night, uh, 2000. And I saw a very young AJ Styles do a shooting star press from the top rope to the floor. Yeah, well. And I was like, yeah, I want to wrestle here. Yeah. So I had gotten a little bit of better shape, lost some weight, and then had a tryout in May of 2001. And I did a, it was a Friday night show. It was like 12 people there. You know, they would do the tryout shows on Friday nights. And uh, I wrestled, I took a kid down with me named Drew Delight. I'd wrestled him quite a few times. And I was hoping we'd both get a spot. But I did an elbow from the apron to the floor, like the Cactus Jack elbow. Yeah. And they loved it. Yeah. So they were like, uh. We'll come back next Saturday for a TV taping, you and Drew. So we both came back, did the, pretty much the exact same match. I did the elbow again, and they were like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then pretty much got a spot because I did that elbow and never did the elbow again because it hurt too damn much. <laughs> did you, um, had you seen the elbow somewhere, or was that just something you made up at, on the spot? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I slammed him on the floor, and I was like, "What? What the hell can I do now?" So yeah. I just climbed up and did the Texas Jack elbow. Yeah, and about broke my hip. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I don't know about this." And then I did it the following week, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore." <laughs> I got the I got the spot, and was like, "Nope, I don't have to do this anymore." See, so that's good. that's smart. There, you get, you got him through it, and then you're like, "And now it doesn't need to be here anymore." <laughs> it served you know, its purpose. A few months down the road, they're like, well, how come you don't do the elbow anymore? And I was like, well, I don't need to. You know, all you young kids got your flashy stuff. I'll just stick with my punching and kicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Plus, I don't need to die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't need a broken hip or whatever. So, um, from what I understand, like, NWA, NWA Wildside was like the offshoot show, right? It was like a little bit more, well, wild. Yeah, is it was that that the point of it? They wanted to run like a second, a second show that was a little bit more edgy. Well, it was just uh, the Wild Side was born from NCW. It was owned by Steve Martin, and then I believe Bill Barons got involved, and they changed it to Wild Side. I really, I mean, we were just more of a, we were the the first super independent. I would yeah. say. You know, before all this shit popped up on the East Coast, Ring of Honor and Combat Zone, Wildside was was the first super indie. Yeah. Some guys don't like to say that, but I will because we had AJ Styles and Air Paris and yep. uh, Prince Justice who ended up being Abyss mm-hmm. and just so many guys. And then, and then Iceberg came in and then it was just the, the talent pool down there was incredible. And then you, we would have guys drive in from all over the country to do matches to, because we were in syndication around the country. Yeah. You know, and guys like John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Kenny Doan, uh, uh, Cliff Compton, guys 
who would make it pretty big years later, came through the hallowed walls of the Landmark Arena, yeah. which was in Cornelia, Georgia. Yeah. That's, um, it, it, it sounds like a, a really like awesome time, and so cool that it was like on TV as well. Yeah. Uh, growing up for me, like no wrestling was on TV. Like I had to rent VHS tapes and, and stuff like that, and then DVDs when they came out because it just wasn't on Australian TV, you know? So that exposure must have been like priceless for you and kind of built up like quite a, a cult following. It did. I mean, like my first five years of my career was basically me learning the ropes. Mm-hmm. And once I started working at Wild Side, that's when I started branching out and getting to go all over the place and wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't really start doing death matches till like 2004, but before then, I mean, I'd only wrestled in like three states, and now I'm up to like 23 states. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, it's going all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Did you find, um, like, when you suddenly went from, like, you know, not being a traveling wrestler to suddenly being one, you're on the road and stuff, that, that sort of life lent itself to you? Because it is very different, you know, in, in stuff. I, I was in a touring band for quite a while and things like that. It, it's taxing being on the road and in cars with people and stuff like that. Did you like it or did, did it become like a party lifestyle for you guys? Like, what was that like? I was, I've never been a big, I've never been a big drug, you know, pill user or drinker. So everybody else would do that. I was the boring guy of the group. Watching my the chaos wife, play out. <laughs> we just started dating, so she traveled a lot with me. She was like one of the guys. Yeah. And she she would she would drive us everywhere. Awesome. She was a trooper. And uh, now she's just like I ain't doing that shit no more. <laughs> but we uh, but me and Dan we do a lot of traveling with each other now. And I traveled a lot with a guy named Adam Jacobs, who was a big wild side guy. And uh, our, we had our own personal cameraman, David Pierce, and we would just pull ribs on him and make fun of him and pick on him for every road trip we ever did. But yeah, the, the travel's cool. Now that I'm older, I don't like it as much because I hate being in a car for more than like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so anywhere I can... If I can find a, a cheap plane ticket, I will fly myself in a heartbeat as long as they'll pick me up at the airport. That's it. Uh, I Neil Diamond Cutter, a uh, mutual friend of ours, was telling me that like driving back from Texas this last weekend, he had like a 12-hour ride like to where they were going to be and then another four on to his place or something like that. And I was like, yeah. surely there's a plane that could get you there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I was, I wasn't booked on those shows. It was my anniversary weekend, so mm-hmm. I was like, I better not go. No, that would uh, not be wise. I'd have got more rash whooping here than I would there. Exactly right. But I'd i definitely been. I was checking out plane tickets just in case. I was like, okay, I can get to San Antonio for this amount of money instead of riding in a car for twelve hours. Yeah. So, so your um, so your wife, you said, has been part of it for quite a while. How did you feel? Like I think you had a few uh, few years off there between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one or whatever. So big proponent of your wrestling and happy with you coming back. You're not catching any additional heat <laughs> over coming no, back no, and doing death no, matches. I mean, and she loves it. She's like, as long as I'm having fun, you know, she's cool with it. Uh, she just doesn't want me to get hurt. Yeah, which is because I've got uh, a daughter getting married next month, and I got a fifteen year old. We got a four year old. Wow. So I'm a uh, and my style, I mean, the only way I'm really going to get hurt is if I just fall off the damn apron or something. I'm very safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's, uh, I'm sure she gets fed up with, well, i got a booking this weekend. Oh, hell. But for the most part, she's pretty cool about it. So as long as there's no more Cactus Jack elbows uh, to the as outside. As long as no more can... Cactus Jack elbows. <laughs> Those two, that's it. <laughs> so all right so let, let's rewind to to the deathmatch thing you mentioned that uh it would be a, a few years before that you started um doing deathmatches what was your first exposure to that and what made you want to like jump into it there had been a show run here in chattanooga and these guys did it was uh peter b beautiful you ever heard of him no he was telling these guys right here, he was Leatherface in Japan. I knew he was full of shit. Yeah, right, okay. But anyway, 
him and this other guy, they did a match with like, and they used light tubes. I was like, what the hell is this? This is, this is garbage wrestling. Yeah. But I didn't mind doing hardcore. I'd done barbed wire and thumbtacks. So, uh, in 2004, Ian Rotten announced it was going to be his last King of the Death. And I was like, I was, I'd like to do at least one death match tournament before he shuts down. Well, I got a hold of him. He booked me in Ulytic, Indiana. And it was the first time I'd ever done glass or any of that. And I mean, he was pretty like, you know, what, what are you not comfortable doing? I go, well, I don't want to do fire but I'll do the glass or whatever else you got. And I did that one tournament. And then he was like, I'm going to do a tournament next year. And then I did like eight straight with him. But, you know, working for IW Mid-South was a big deal too because he would mix in the deathmatch guys with the technical guys. Like I got to wrestle like, you know, Davey Richards and Roderick Strong and all these guys too. So. And at the time, Ian's shows were, he was like the feeder program for Ring of Honor. Yeah. yeah. He was booking AJ, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, all these guys way before Ring of Honor even started. Mm-hmm. But So he was, I was more of a deathmatch guy, but like I said, he would throw us in there with some of these other fellas. But the deathmatches to me were just fun. You know, getting to work Necro Butcher, I mean, be honestly, I'd, I'd seen what Necro had done, and I was like, I don't know about this. This son of a bitch is crazy. Yeah, he's easy, man. I mean, it was a it was an easy match. I wrestled him like four or five times, and he, each match was was easy. Nothing too bad. I mean, he is crazy as hell, but you just got to look over that. <laughs> <laughs> Write that off. Um, it's a, it's funny that you said he announced that was going to be his last King of the Death matches because I'm pretty sure he said that quite a few times, hasn't he? I think he has said it every year since 2004. Yeah, okay. It's a marketing <laughs> tactic. We understand. So yeah. 2004 is your first, but you won 2005. Is that right? I won the Carnage Cup. Oh, Carnage Cup. It was the IWA Deep South tournament mm-hmm. that, uh, that Kevin Brannon ran, and uh, I won it. Mm-hmm. I beat Necro in the finals. Awesome. And like I said, I would do, I did every other King of the Death up till 2009. And then I went back in 2015 and did one. Did you, um, were you interested in doing it uh, this year or it wasn't really on the radar for you? Not, not looking to get into like any super tournaments have, right now? I have, I have plans. Yeah. That okay. weekend. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Ian, Ian had, he had hit me up and. I was like, we've got a family thing going on. I go, no, just give that spot to a younger guy who, who who really needs it. Yeah, absolutely. And then once it was going on, I was I kept seeing videos of it, and I was like, man, I should have went. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, hey, you know, commitments. Again, you don't want to get that heat. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't need it. Now, that that's awesome. So fast, fast forwarding a bit to... That match with that I mentioned at the start with Neil Diamond Cutter at ICW No Holds Barred, uh, the first one I saw from you. From my understanding, you were you were there for another event, right? And somebody pulled out last minute, and Tank was there with his gear, and they're like, "Get in," sort of thing. Was that yeah. was that how it kind of went down? Yeah, basically, uh, I was booked for Tony Deppin's Beer House show. Oh, yep, yep. And uh, I worked uh, Manders, mm-hmm. and we we had a fun little match. Well, the night before, DeMonto saw me and was like, hey, uh, Jeff King's ghosted me. I haven't heard from him, so if he doesn't show up, the spot's yours. Yeah. I was like, sweet. So then Saturday rolls around. He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes you're in the match. And uh, and the match I had with, with Manders was my first match in over a year and a half. Yeah. I had retired in 2017. Okay. And I took. 18 months off, and I got booked for uh, WrestleMania weekend in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I went back for that one match, and then I did another one, and then another one. So I was like, well, if I do like a match a month, I'll be all right. Well, then COVID hit and just put a kibosh on everything. So I didn't do anything for over a year. Yep. And then when I got booked for that Deppin show, I was like, you know, I'll go down and do the one match, and I'll be content. I'll be good to go. Well, then the ICW spot rolled around, and I did that match with uh, Neil, 
And he made me look like a million bucks because I'm fat and out of shape. And he made me look, look like a monster. And uh, he's basically the guy who got me my spot with ICW. Yeah, and you've gone on to do some great matches there, like a match with John Wayne Murdoch, which is really awesome. Casanova Valentine, the Home Run Derby with Danny DeManto himself. Yeah. Satu Jin and stuff Satu. like that. Yeah, you guys have been doing some great stuff. I mean, I've had a blast, you know. And they're treating, you know, it's not like uh, he's just uh, the old guy. I mean, they, they, they've been treating me with a lot of respect. Yeah. And, and one reason why, I mean, I wanted to come back is I did miss it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of guys out there now that I want to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, they were really good and tough guys, like, on the tail end of my career, man, like the, the newer guys were kind of sissies, you know, they, they, you couldn't rib them. They would call you a bully and they whine and bitch and moan. And I was just like, I can't take this shit no more. So I'm quitting. Yeah. Well now three, four years later, there's a totally different crew of new guys who are, like I said, really good and tough and don't mind taking an ass whipping or I don't mind taking one myself but I, I want to work with and working with Murdoch was like a big honor for me yeah I mean he might have said it was an honor for him it was an honor for me to be able to, to go out and go toe to toe with one of the top guys in the world not, not in this country yeah. in the world straight up mm-hmm. and go toe to toe with him and you know he we had a hell of a match. Yeah, it, well, it, it show, shows their respect from you for you because they brought you in. You look like an absolute monster, and then they put you in there with the champion. You know what I mean? Like very, very soon after, like it's like this is the yeah. level of respect that this person deserves. And then yeah, you've you've picked up wins and stuff like that. And I think they've you know protected you and made you look awesome. It makes you look like a commodity. Yeah. And you come in with Dan. He's got the voice and the presentation and stuff. It's just awesome, man. Like, um, have you always, like, how long has Dan been, um, like, your reverend manager type scenario? Since, since 2005. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, 2005, yeah, we wow. did the whole Devil's Rejects thing and uh, NWA Anarchy where Wildside used to run. Okay. And it was me and Iceberg, uh, Sean Tempers, Azriel, and Dominus. So he kind of, you know, we just ripped off the whole Devil's Rejects movie. and mm-hmm. We were the, the the Firefly family of wrestling. Yeah. And then uh, I'd left for a while, and they had a couple of members, and I came back as a babyface mm-hmm. against the Hill Devil's Rejects. And, yep. then, and then it was, went around full circle. We all got back together again. That's funny. He's um he's like quite a presence, isn't he? That that voice, oh, yeah. that voice is crazy. Yeah, his his promos are so good, man. We uh, I got a match Saturday with a guy named Derek Neal, and we're just fighting in the parking lot of the building. Yeah, and we went and filmed the promo yesterday, and it's just great. You know what I mean, he he we call him One Take Dan. I mean, he does it in one take, and we're done. And, and uh, did you see the promo he did for the match with Murdoch? Yeah, I did. That, was, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it was like it, it makes you seem like so dangerous. You know what I mean when you when you're just like this stoic kind of figure behind him, and he's just like preaching all this stuff. It comes out really, <laughs> really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. He's he's a top notch guy, man. You need to hit him up and get him on your show because. He knows more about the wild side shit than I do. I was just a wrestler. He was behind the scenes. Yeah, really? He worked in the office, yeah. Oh, no worries. Well, if you're listening, Dad, hit your boy up. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will have him hit you up. Yeah, I would I would love to speak to him. That would be awesome. So going forward, what, what's the plans? Like are you wanting to keep doing stuff with ICW No Holds Barred, um, plans to get in any tournaments? How, how's that all looking for you? Uh, I just I'm doing a few little local shows around here. TWE. Mm-hmm. There's a show in Canton, Georgia, Southern Honor. There's a deathmatch show in Athens, Georgia. I'm gonna I'm booked for in October. Um, of course, ICW. I'm doing the uh, King of the Death versus Southern Sickness deal with Ian and his son. Yeah. In Indianapolis in November. So that'll 
that'll be fun. I really don't know what I'm doing, but they got a hold of me. And I was like, yeah, I'll come. There's still some more guys I want to fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, when you say that, when you say strong guys and matchups and stuff like that, have you ever run into Danny Muff before? I have not. We uh, we sat and chatted in Atlantic City for like two hours. And oh, wow. But at the end of the conversation, we were both like, yeah, we have to fight at least one time. <laughs> <laughs> like true men yeah we we're just gonna need to punch each other in the face pretty soon that's good. yeah we just, need to, we just need to beat each other up for a few minutes yeah um we're, well actually that this is a, this is a great little segue so it, with my podcast i sometimes like to put people on the spot and i ask them if there's you know anything in wrestling that they're feeling at the moment or anybody that they match you should watch or other wrestler they want to put over or anybody they you know would want to wrestle who would they, they say is there a couple of people on your hit list that you've been looking at besides Danny oh yeah Moff is on there uh, of course Nick Gage yeah we've never had a we've never had a one on one we we were a part of a tag team deal one time yeah and you know before I hang him up for good I like to I like to wrestle him at least one time I love Masada. Masada's my boy. I've wrestled him once. I'd like to have another match with him. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like the best hybrid death match wrestler out there. He's or amazing. I, yeah, he's just and like I, I wouldn't really say I'm a death match wrestler. I'm just a wrestler who likes to do death matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like you get labeled a death match wrestler, and and that's the end of your career. Not anymore. But uh, <laughs> no. And, like, the resurgence of death matches in the last year, I mean, if you think about it, ICW and GCW kept wrestling alive. They did, 100%. And it's like IWTV gave them that platform that when the entire world was shut down and everything was terrible, they had the ability to entertain people. And it turned around and it, it took death match from this thing that people, you know, sort of spoke about in hushed tones to something that was cool and exciting to watch you know you see like the numbers of people that like rep this stuff and uh, are into it and it's crazy you know um it must be really exciting especially for somebody that lived through maybe some of those darker days where people were maybe looking down on it now like look at nick gage on aew you know what i mean like that like throwing chris jericho through glass and stuff like that that's literally insane right and and then the match you know he had with uh Matt Cardona. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, who I don't I don't buy wrestling. I mean, I don't pay I don't buy pay-per-views, but I was like I'm really interested in this match. Yeah. And I was telling everybody I go I go Matt Cardona is going to he's going to bust his ass in this match. I yeah. I, I guarantee it. Yeah. I go he's going to go out and he's going to bleed buckets. Yeah. Oh, no he won't. No he won't. And then he did exactly that. Yeah. He bled buckets. And then taking the and then taking the belt everywhere and taking pictures of it, he's done more for that belt than anybody has. He's, he's I mean, killing everybody's it, right? talking about it. I, I wasn't he, terribly he, surprised either because say what you want about like Matt Cardona and the Zack Ryder thing and stuff in WWE, that's a hardworking guy. And when you oh, can yeah. be in a company for that long and go through the like you know down times that he did where he's not being used and stuff, but he's constantly in shape and he's always there and he's loving wrestling and he's podcasting and he's doing stuff. That's somebody that loves wrestling, you know? And so when oh, he yeah. is free and has the opportunity, he's like, I'm going to do this. You're like, there's no way he's not jumping in like 100%. Oh, yeah, he's in. He's jumped in with, with both feet. Yeah. You know, and then and him coming out saying the GCW universe. Oh, I popped. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> Huge. I love those details. You know, those li- those little like thing- things he did and uh, saying he's like, uh, MDK all day, but it's like Major Detloff Collector, which are the action figure collecting cases <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's just so funny. Yeah, and seeing the heat, yeah, like everybody whoever... throwing trash at him and stuff, like oh, yeah. it was great. And like whoever came up with that whole angle is a genius. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if they had it planned out for all that, yeah. or if it was just Gage messing with him, and he, you know, was like, "Hey, we can do something with this." Yeah, and. And and it worked out great, but some other guys I like to work uh, Atticus and oh, Atticus uh, Eric Ryan. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know these guys; they're they're the future. 
Yeah. I'm I'm the past. <laughs> I'm just hanging around. Guys like me and Pondo, we're just we're just hanging around. Pondo's a legend. Yeah, man. These guys these guys are are the future. And I saw a kid at uh, the A AWR. Mm-hmm. We were and we were in Indianapolis named Remington Roar. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's he he impressed me. He looks good. I mean he looks like he could whip somebody's ass. Yeah. I um uh, I heard an interview with him on my friend Jeremy, I Got Your Five Star podcast, and he's going to be somebody to watch, like, big guy, right? Like, he's... Yes. Oh, yeah, Jeremy. Uh, shout out to Jeremy. He's a cool guy. He's great, isn't he? He actually, he actually came to Chattanooga last weekend for the Scenic City Invitational. I did a kind of a tame death match there with this guy named Logan Creed. It was very, you know, we couldn't do glass or whatever, but we did a couple of gusset plates and a barbed wire door and, <laughs> I think I think I'm up to that next. So I've been trying to between everything else I'm watching to to get through the scenic city invitational. I finished the first night and then like t- today maybe when I get off the phone I'll, I'll get on to the second night. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be seeing that one later today, which would be good. It's yeah, it's, it's just so much it's wrestling. Cool. It's hard to keep on top of it all. Oh man, I, there's so much to watch, and now I, I did watch the Texas shows last weekend. Mm-hmm. The stream was. Terrible. Yeah, it killed me. It just kept, and I was like, man. So I hit up Dylan Hales, who lives in Chattanooga, who works for IWTV. I'm like, man, you need to fix this shit. He goes, man, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, can, it can only be like, I must imagine it's like just so many people tuning into it that it's, it's just not like equipped for it. You know what I mean? They must constantly yeah. be expanding and stuff to to have an, I don't know how the internet works or whatever, but enough power to, you know, broadcast around the world on live on so many screens. And then if the building's got crappy Wi-Fi, I'm sure that doesn't help out either. It's not going to help anybody at all. But, yeah, they, they were a good, still a good couple of shows. Um, whenever it gets real choppy and stuff, I'll, I'll usually just go, okay, I'm going to leave this and I'll just watch it as soon as it gets posted kind of thing. But that's, it's not the same as watching that's what I. That's what I did Saturday. I... It just kept chopping up, so and they they put it back up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I fast forward to what I hadn't seen yet, and uh, Slack and Scott Summers. Would I mean it was great? Yeah. But you know, Summers got hurt halfway through the match. He yeah. didn't even stand up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually hit him up, and he he's doing good. Yeah, yeah. Is he is he okay? Like, is he, he gonna be able to go? Yeah, Does he, he need surgery or something? No, he said no surgery. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's great. That's great because um, I I did an interview. Uh, sorry, not an interview. An episode with Jeremy this week where we talked about those two shows and we were talking about Scott Summers and he was like filling me in on his background and he said he is a guy that's had almost like a few false starts. Like every time, like sort of a big thing comes around, he he's had a few like really unfortunate injuries, and so we were worried. We're like, oh, hopefully this isn't gonna like sideline him again because that was like. Great exposure for him. He looked like a monster, and it, the heart oh, yeah. that he showed in that match really shone through. Like everybody was like, "What a tough motherfucker," you know. Like, and so yeah, yeah, we, he, uh, yeah. I've I've never met him. I've chatted with him on Facebook Messenger, and I, like I said, I hit him up because I worry about people. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Hey man, how's the leg?" He goes, "I'm fine." I go, "Well, get healed up, and then me and you before I quit, we've got to tangle at least Hell one yeah. time." Hell he yeah. goes, "He goes, like definitely." You know, it's, it's kind of cool now. I guess, like, the cool thing on the indies is for people to make a list of who they want to work. Yeah. Now it's kind of cool that I'm on people's list that they yeah. want to work, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you could call your shots and, like, any of these guys we're talking about, they'll be like, hell yeah, I want to work, Tank. That'll be sick. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, going through the locker room of ICW, like, yeah. Well, how about you, you, know, you want to work with Tank next show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm very old school, and I just go out there and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, we're going to get cut up and bruised up and whatever and bleed, but, yeah, I'm pretty safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can, and you can also see that you, you know, you can still go and you can have a hell of a match. Look at the Murdoch match. So epic, yeah. e- epic war. You know, it, it wasn't like just going in and phoning it in. You guys went to town, so... Like that's the that's the kind of stuff you want to be able to do, you know, when called on. And then like with with, with Casanova. Oh great. Yeah. The story I 
the story I was trying to tell was, you know, he's a young guy. He's beating my ass, you know, and like the frustration on my face. I'm like, what do I got to do? And then yeah. I laid the headbutts on him, and then I waterboarded him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I did some dastardly shit because I'm, I'm an old man, and I got to do some dastardly shit. That's it. Pull the tricks out. Guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I loved it, and I loved that you won too. I was like, fuck yeah. It's like, you know, you're getting beat up on. Cass is not a small guy. And it's like, no. oh, no, the young buck is maybe going to take him down here. But then you're like, all right, have to get evil on him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, it was like, that's the story I was trying to tell was, man, now what do I got to do to beat this guy? He's beating my ass. Yeah. Oh, I'll waterboard him. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. All, all the guys now, like when you, you look at like the current crop of deathmatch wrestlers, and I'd include you with this, is they're all trying to tell stories all the time. The thing people used to say, like about death matches, is like, oh, there's no stories, they're just swinging tubes, it's blah blah blah, just garbage wrestling and stuff. But then you look, you look at these stories that are being told, and you're like, tell me that's not happening. Like, look at John Wayne's story for, all the way from Volume One. You know, there's there's threads running through everything, and and you guys are obviously clearly thinking about it in every match that you, you know. Attack. No, yeah. yeah. And like his match he had with uh, Sadika, man, she is crazy. <laughs> And I see they got her booked against Mickey Knuckles. I know. In October, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, exactly. That uh, that that match with John Wayne was off the rails, eh? That got, from what I could tell, got a little shooty. <laughs> got, yeah, got, a, got a little bit did. real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Mickey, Jesus. Because when we were in uh, Atlantic City, he, he wrestled her there. Yeah. <laughs> We, we all shared a hotel room. He walked in. He goes, man, I'd rather wrestle a fucking bear. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I go, you can have that. I'll just stick with these guys over here. Exactly. You, you can have her. You need, you need somebody you can rely on in some senses, you know. It's like, uh, it's a little bit risky. Like, you guys are already throwing around a lot of risks. So, it concerns me a bit. Yeah, Mickey won't put up with that shit. No, that's the that's the concern though. <laughs> Where's it going to go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I was chatting with a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff G. Bailey, who was one of the managers at Wildside. He goes, he goes, this match with Sadika and Mickey Knuckles reminds him of like Samoa Joe and Necro. The vibe of that is like, what the hell is going to happen? Yeah, that was that match was crazy. I went back and watched that recently, and I was like, this is insane. <laughs> Somebody is going to die. If anybody hasn't seen yeah. that match, look up like Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher because it's it's crazy. Like I, I thought, like Necro Butcher was gonna die. Like his head hit oh, the yeah. ground so many times. Like, yeah, he just got back from Japan. Like he flew in from Japan. He already had the fresh, you know, scars, and then yeah. Joe dropped him on his head. You know, head first on the floor. I was like, oh, what the hell? Savage. Have you ever been to Japan? I have not. Still bucket list or no? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool, but I think at my age, I'd be like, nah, we're not going to take a chance with this old fart. <laughs> but, you know, it would still be awesome to, you know, to go, I guess. I know that they're selling my shirts over there, so that's cool. Maybe if I can't make it over there, at least my shirts are over there. Hey, that's it. You'd be surprised. You never know. And, like, once this COVID stuff, like, you know, is in the past. I I think that with the resurgence of deathmatch wrestling and with with everything that's going, I think you're going to see some stuff. You know what I mean? I think yeah. you're going to see people popping up places. Are you familiar with deathmatch down under that started over here in Australia? I've seen uh, a couple of episodes on IWTV. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that is run by a group of people over in Melbourne. So the other side of Australia from me, and yeah, they've only just gotten started up, and it's it's been really good, and they they've got big plans and big aspirations. They just got locked down again for what feels like the hundredth time. They were about to run the first ever Australian Deathmatch tournament called the Dream Tournament. Death rules everything mm -hmm. around me, and uh, and yeah, and so it's been postponed to October. But they've got some big plans, so there'll be something to keep an eye on. And hey, if you ever feel like a trip to Australia, surely you can tee something else. Come oh, see yeah, our sunny cool. shores. <laughs> so how's your, like, the COVID down there? Like, like here, it's it's on the rise again. Yeah. So it, where I am in Perth, we're, like, like, the most isolated city in the world, you know? So we're 
all the way over on the west coast, the other side of the country from Melbourne and Sydney and Canberra and stuff. So for us, it's been relatively minimal. We've been really lucky. We've had a few lockdowns, you know, a couple of weeks at a time and stuff like that, but it has never really been crazy. Over in Melbourne and stuff, they've had like three-month lockdowns and all this, and they were just getting out of it and getting back to normal. And then Sydney had like the Delta variant hit or something like that. And they're like doing 600 cases a day. They're in full lockdown now Melbourne's locked down. It's, yeah, it's not good over there. They are rolling out vaccines pretty hot now, but they sort of botched it at the start. They didn't really have enough to begin with, but now they're yeah. starting to pick up steam and, and get that, you know, sorted to as many people as they can. Yeah, at least down there, like here it's all political. Yeah. You got your one side that wants to you know, get, get vaccinated, the other side don't want to get vaccinated. And I'm like, you know... I'm vaxxed, all right. I'm good to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I, I still wear my mask out in public because I can still catch it. It's maybe not as bad as if I wasn't vaxxed. Yeah, yeah, and you can carry it, you know. Um, yes. Uh, the there is still definitely that here. It's like it is a a thing. Like there was a big protest in Sydney when everybody was supposed to be locked down. There's a few thousand people went marching through the streets without masks and stuff like that. It was like kind of a big uproar uh, and things like that. And they yeah the police threw the book at him from what I understand but yeah I I just for me I I'm like I just kind of want life to go back to normal you know I just want to no, yeah. want to do the right thing and do that I've had my first uh shot so I I have my second Pfizer vaccination on the 3rd of September okay so and then I'll be Ooh. then I'll be fully done too I want to go back to Japan man I want to come to America and see you guys like I want yeah. my life to go on and uh yeah I that's all I, I really care about and I want everybody to be healthy you know yeah exactly yeah exactly it must have been rough there for you guys for for quite a while just being like so locked down and not really being able to go anywhere or do anything yeah it was I mean that's like I said I was on my little return and then the COVID hit yeah and then I think that's one reason why I, I, I wanted to get back into it. I, would, I was so fucking bored for a year and a half. You know, I was just like, yeah. I got to get out of this fucking house. Yeah. You know, they started opening stuff back up. It was okay. I'm like, I need to go hit somebody or something and get hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've been doing it as long as you have, right, it, like you're, you're used to it and it's what you expect. So you're like, hey, what am I going to yeah, do? Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. No, that, that's awesome, man. Um, I'm really excited to see what's coming in the future for Tang. I feel like there's just dream match after dream match that can be um, can be booked and sorted out. And like you said, everybody's got a list, and I'm sure you're on quite a few, and I'm sure your list is pretty long too. So tell it the people is, where they is. can find you, man. Uh, on Facebook, my, my real name is Warren Hollander. Uh I posted a bunch of silly shit on there. And Twitter, it's tank underscore established 1996. Uh, Instagram's the same. I believe, hell, I'm hardly ever on Instagram. It's usually just Twitter and Facebook. (laughs) That's fine. I'll post all the links in the thing anyway. And also, speaking of shirts, don't forget you can grab uh, all the new tank merch on Deathmatch Worldwide. Shout out to Corey Higdon. Uh, great site, and you've got some awesome designs up there too, bud. Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, the Iron Maiden uh, design is something I've been thinking about for years, and yeah. I was like, I finally pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. And my first run was Scenic City Weekend, and uh, I've got like two left. Yeah, wow. Know, so that, that's that, a good start. So That Trooper I got the shows variant up. really cool. I got some... Uh, me and, me and the Rev were trying to come up with some kind of horror-themed mm-hmm. shirt together. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe get that kid from Japan to draw it up. Yeah. Uh, he does awesome work. He does. It, it, like, if you're sort of in this medium and you're in Deathmatch Medium and you don't have one of his shirts, like, it's like, what are you doing? You need to get one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need to hit him up and get something drawn up just to say that I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be, be something so cool. I really like that Bloodbath Behemoth one. I thought that was really cool as well. Man, that just came out of nowhere. Uh, Red Shoes, the guy who took the picture. Yeah. I was like, I think it's going to be cool on a shirt. So I hit up Corey, mm-hmm. and I was like, 
you think we can put this on a shirt in black and white and blood bath the anus? And five minutes later, he sent me a picture of it. And I was like, that's it. That's it done? <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's a great you know, photo. It's a great photo that Red Shoes did. Shout out, man. That, that's and I cool. actually, uh, you know, I, and I hit him up. I was like, do, do you care if I use this picture? And he's like, no, man, go ahead. He goes, you're good to me. You put me over on social media. I was like, all right, man. I go, I will send you a shirt, which I still need to send him a shirt. Well, that's awesome. We'll make sure we uh, credit him in the, <laughs> in the notes as well. Exactly. Shout out Red Shoes Media. Awesome. Red Shoes Media. That's it. Tank, thank you so much for your time today, buddy. I really appreciate hey, getting thanks. to know you. Uh, it's been a fun chat, and and hopefully uh, we can run into each other down the line sometime, yeah? I hope so, man. Maybe when this shit boils over and goes away, come, come to the States and you can come eat some barbecue with me in Chattanooga. Mate, that sounds like my personal paradise. You know, I, I had a brief taste of the States. My wife and I got married in Vegas in 2019, and we were just there for like a week, and we are like, we're definitely going to go back, and then the world ended. So yeah. <laughs> once it unends itself, I'll take you up on that invite for sure, my man. Hell yeah, come on, man. Awesome, buddy. You take it easy. So for the Bloodbath Behemoth Tank, for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at Faces Feelscast, Twitter, at Faces Feelscast, and Facebook, at Faces Feelscast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view.